0: So much news to dive into today. Christian Gokel, hanging out with you here this afternoon. And again, college football news galore to dive into. Uh, didn't have a chance as it broke after we got off the air To dive into the Clay Helton news out of USC, he has been fired uh, as the head coach for the Trojans after posting an under 500 record during his tenure there. So we'll dive into that, who are some of the biggest candidates that we could see for that open USC job. Also got to dive into some SEC West news as well as ACC news, some quarterbacks banged up that could change the landscape of the competitions we see in the SEC and the ACC as, again, a blow to what was considered one of the top contenders to Alabama in the SEC West. So we'll dive into that. Braves are currently up 4.5 with 20 to go. And actually, they're in first place in the wild card, or excuse me, second place in the wild card, just ahead of the Reds right now. No one's catching the Los Angeles Dodgers for that first wild card spot. So, so much to dive into on the show today. Please be joined, as always, by my co-host there, Cam Ursery, coming to us from it appears. Cam, I'll say on location, but I think your living room uh, is what we're looking at there in the video screen. Yeah. So, just a beautiful scenic yeah, background for Cam role. right there. But so much to dive into. But I want to start with the USC news. They fire Clay Helton again after posting an under 500 record as the head coach at USC. And really, the news came down shortly after they just got throttled by Stanford on Saturday, a bad Stanford team. This isn't the Andrew Luck, Harbaugh era Stanford team. This is a bad Stanford team. USC fires Clay Helton which I think a lot of people saw coming. But now the question becomes, and where do the dominoes start to fall? How soon do they hire a coach, and who do they hire? And in my opinion, because the reports have been thrown out there, I think Mario Cristobal, for the most part, the Oregon head coach, who just got that huge kind of program-defining win over Ohio State this past Saturday, he's an early favorite. He's already on the West Coast. He's already set up roots out there, and it would very much be addition by subtraction for the Trojans, uh, if you can pull Mario Cristobal away from Oregon. But to me, because I keep hearing names like Matt Campbell thrown out there from Iowa State. Uh, some people have suggested Billy Napier, who's the hot up-and-coming name, Jamie Chadwell. Uh, there at Coastal Carolina as some of these guys. Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator from Clemson, has been mentioned in there as well. To me... Looking at USC and looking at what has worked for them in the past, again, the most success that they've had was with Pete Carroll as their head coach, a guy who, if you think way back, was an NFL head coach and then came to college to take over that USC program. My opinion, I think USC needs a name. They need somebody that can walk into those booster meetings, that can walk into the galas out there, into the banquets and just handle the press and the society of living in Southern California uh, where there's a lot of money and a lot of stars and you don't just walk in as the football coach. You walk in as a star yourself. I mean, if Pete Carroll walked into a banquet, I mean, people, that's, that's Pete Carroll. He had the hair, he had the flow. He had the personality. Mm -hmm. I think And Cam, I'm curious to get your opinion on this. I think USC needs to go get somebody that has the name recognition. Obviously, football comes first, and so you need somebody that can draw it up. But I think you can't just hire somebody. USC is not one of those jobs where you hire the up-and-comer. USC is a job where you have to hire somebody that's going to get the benefit of the doubt because they are a star and what they've done in the past because you're going to need a, some time to rebuild this program, but also someone that can handle the fame and the pressure that comes or should come with being the USC head coach.
1: I, I'll give you somebody great, and I think it happened. Um depending on how good he is this year, which I think he is. Uh, Bill O'Brien. Uh, this is a guy that's won playoff games with the Houston Texans was a, a a win away from the AFC championship if he wasn't playing Patrick Mahomes up twenty four oh and just blows it. But I mean Bill O'Brien, he's the perfect guy for the job. I have coached Deshaun Watson. I've coached DeAndre Hopkins, two of the best players in the NFL. Oh, coach and coach and traded. Be yeah, coach and traded. Okay. I I give him that. But I mean he still coached them. He was he wasn't a bad coach either. I mean he was a horrible GM, but a really good coach. Who right. better well, than Bill and, O'Brien. And then now he's under Nick Saban.
0: And with the NFL side of it, too, uh he again, like you said, he was in the NFC or AFC Championship game, excuse me, and was just a few plays away up big on Kansas City in that game from going to the Super Bowl. But to me, even more impressive than that is the reclamation job that he did with Penn State, where If people remember, he was the head coach hired after the Jerry Sandusky scandal at Penn State and with the scholarship bans and with the postseason bans, able to rebuild and really handle a situation that not many people could handle and obviously caught a bad rap for some of the moves, i.e. the DeAndre Hopkins trade uh, in the NFL. But I, I think a guy who you've seen him already rebuild a program and make no mistake about it, USC needs to be rebuilt they're not a good football team. I mean, they have a heck of a quarterback in Kadon Slovis, who a lot of people thought could be a first, second round pick in the NFL draft. And they're just bad right now. So it is going to be a rebuilding project, but yeah, I mean, Cam, that would be my first choice. Honestly, some people have thrown out Stoops, uh, who's doing the, the Fox college football broadcast right now. I mean, that could be interesting, but is he still overly interested in being a head coach? And does he have kind of that name equity uh, that you could use? I think Bill O'Brien certainly does again. Former NFL head coach, former head coach at Penn State. Now he's the Alabama offensive coordinator. I think he checks off a lot of boxes just in terms of resumes, right? You have the previous head coaching experience in a Power 5 in one of the, I don't know, top 20 programs in college football. Then he go to the NFL as a head coach, so you have the name recognition there. And then, of course, you get the Alabama car wash where you, you go through, get under Nick Saban, and you can just tell everybody, hey, man, in these six months that I've been there, I've, just, I've learned so much about football and so much about coaching uh, from the guy who's the best ever do it. I think you check off a lot of boxes with Bill O'Brien. And plus, with his history now, though pretty limited uh, at Alabama, he does have now a network set up in the Southeast for recruiting. So you have one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in America for recruiting, which is, uh, which is Southern California. I mean, the two quarterbacks, uh, DJ Uyungalele and uh, JT Daniels in the Dukes Mayo kickoff classic, both from South California, right? You have that network set up and now you have the Southeast Atlanta, uh, South Georgia, Alabama, Florida. You have network set up there from your time at Alabama. I think Bill O'Brien would be an excellent hire for USC. But, again, I don't think USC is one of those programs, Cam, that goes out there and hires somebody as a first-time head coach, right? I mean, Georgia did it with Kirby Smart, but that very much seemed like Kirby Smart was biding his time and waiting for the perfect opportunity because he was that coordinator – Right. I think Brent Venables is probably that guy, but he's made it pretty clear based off his paychecks at Clemson. He doesn't really want to go anywhere. But Kirby Smart was that (laughs) that coordinator. Right. He was that guy coming out of Alabama. Didn't have head coaching experience before, but he had been Nick Saban's right hand man through a bunch of national championships. Uh, And then, of course, being a Georgia alumnus, I think, really helped. I think if, if you had like a USC coordinator somewhere who. Or alumnus coordinator somewhere that was having great success. He might be, but I just don't think we have that anywhere. And just looking around, there's not a ton of former USC alumni that are really in the coaching game right now or high enough at that level. So I think Bill O'Brien. That's the name I was going to bring up. I think I think that's a great point, Cam. And the question then would become, if they do identify him as the guy, how long do they wait to pull the trigger on that? Because Alabama's in the middle of a, a trying to repeat as national champions, but USC's trying to rebuild their program, and you now have a early signing period in December that is the biggest signing day in terms of top prospects, not in terms of overall, but in terms of top prospects in the country, and that comes up in December. So I think gone are the days are waiting for your head coach to finish out his season at his previous stop. You want to get him on campus as soon as possible.
1: I mean, yeah, I agree, but, I mean, good things come to people that wait. I'll put it like that. I mean, Bill O'Brien, he has to – I mean, it, it, he's only play, he's only coached um, as an offensive coordinator for two games at Bama. Uh, we saw Sarkeesian kind of do the same thing last year, where he coached the full season. Now he's at Texas. Great for him. But that didn't really. Um, but, but that
0: didn't happen this early. I think last year, if they yeah. fired Tom Herman after two games, Sark's probably mm-hmm. out of there earlier. True. Because right now true, you you be- don't have anybody really hitting the recruits right now, right? Like I've seen a bunch of articles about like who can we like which players can we go steal from USC's recruiting class. You need to put a stopgap on that as soon as possible.
1: I can see somewhere in the like the middle of the season, probably the eighth, ninth game where they're like they're reaching out to Bill O'Brien. Okay, y'all looking good. You're eight and 9 and I mean, you know, they're not gonna miss a beat if you're gone, come on and we need to bring you on in so we get this early recruiting process going And It still is USC. And if you're Bill O'Brien, I know you're at Alabama with Nick Saban, but you're an OC. You go to USC, that's a top twenty program and you're a head coach. I mean, it has a lot of tradition back there, it's, and again, especially it's, it's, dated from the early 2000s.
0: It's Southern California. I mean, they it's. Uh, yeah. They have Heisman winners from their past. I mean, we talk about Florida State and th- when they were looking for a new head coach and just kind of the prestige of that job. Florida State hadn't been good until really the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. USC's been good forever. They're a national power. They're, they're a blue blood. I just think it's going to be interesting. I do think that will be a determining factor in who ends up getting that job. If Mario Cristobal is even with somebody else, and he says, hey, listen, I'm in the middle of a conference championship run competing for a college football playoff spot. You guys are going to have to wait until potentially after January 1st for me to go to work. And how awkward that would be with if you have the reports out there that, hey, Mario is taking the USC job, but he's still coaching Oregon. That, that, I think, could be a determining factor between him and, say, if it is Bill O'Brien right bill o'brien i think that's a little mm-hmm. bit cleaner if it's an offensive coordinator leaving from alabama then who takes over for alabama as their offensive coordinator who knows but i mean i think Nate sabem has gotten used to the fact that if he hires an offensive coordinator it's on like a 1 to 2 year rental because if yeah. that guy has any form of success he's going to get a head coaching offer i have heard lane kiffen uh thrown out there a lot as well for the usc job <laughs> i i don't think usc would be dumb for offering him the job, I think Lane Kiffin would tell him to kiss his rear. Cause if you remember, they fired him on the tarmac of an airport. They said, Mm -hmm. you're not coming home. So uh, I, if Lane Kiffin took that, that's, that's real risky. And I know he's got a lot, uh, I'd say a lot more equity in the coaching game now, and a lot more people that trust him based off what he's done uh, now with Alabama, uh, and then it's time down in Florida, and then and now at Old Miss. But uh, if Lane Kiffin takes that job, he's putting a lot of faith in that athletic department out at USC because, again, last time they, they came to him on the airport runway and said, no, nah, sorry, this is for a US, USC players and personnel only, and you are no longer one of those. So that that would be tough, Cam, for him to take that. I think he's kind of holding out. I mean, Old Miss is a great job. I mean, you're, you're in an SEC school. They're going to be able to pay you a lot of money. But I think Lane Kiffin may now be holding out for an even bigger job than that. And I I just don't think based off their past USC is that.
1: Yeah, I I hope he holds out. But, I mean, Ole Miss is the second best team in the West, in my opinion. He has something nice there. So, build there until something else comes better or make it a powerhouse. But, I mean, they're the second best team in the West. I'm sticking to that. I think they're better than everybody except Bama.
0: Oh. We'll dive into that later this week. I know Arkansas and Auburn uh, would like to have a word with you, but Texas A&M, some news coming out of College Station, also Boston College, some news there. And then we'll dive back into the Arkansas storming the field because now a lot of people were looking at Georgia's schedule and saying, hey, it looks pretty easy until you get to Auburn. Well, you got a little pig suey before then. So we'll dive into (laughs) all that coming up here on Second Down. Also some Braves talk to dive into as well. All that coming up on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshery here. Got so much more to dive into, some more college football news uh, to get into here as well as we were just wrapping up the conversation there about Clay Helton. And again, finishes his tenure at USC under 500. Honestly, haven't really seen a ton of USC talent heading to the NFL or what we're used to seeing. From USC, They'll still put out a wide receiver every couple of years, an offensive lineman and maybe a DB, but we haven't seen the days where they're putting two or three DBs, a couple of wide receivers, two or three offensive linemen in the NFL seemingly every year. Uh, So looking forward, and I think this is going to be a really interesting watch because all of a sudden I think you could start seeing a lot of dominoes starting to fall across college football if they move on their head coach early, i.e. if, say, they do go after a Matt Campbell from Iowa State – Then all of a sudden are a bunch of SEC teams looking around at their coordinators saying, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. Because if you remember Georgia fans, Dan Lanning, this past offseason was hot and heavy with two different jobs. Defensive coordinator for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas and then the Kansas head coaching opening uh, they they came after Dan Lanning hard until he ultimately decided to stay at Georgia. So uh, I do think we should start seeing some dominoes fall across college football. Cam, uh, okay, I'm going to throw one more name at you and see how crazy you think this is. Steve Sarkeesian, head football coach at Texas. Does, does he do one and done at Texas and head out to USC, get back to his West Coast roots?
1: No way. No, uh, no way. I I, I hope not. I, I think Texas is a better program than USC right now. So, no way.
0: I mean, if you want to talk about I less pressure, not. though, I mean, Texas, you got to win. USC, they let Clay Hilton hang oh, yeah. around for four years.
1: Yeah, I agree. You got to win at Texas, but, man, I mean, that's... that's. And you're about to have to jump job. into you the SEC.
0: You just got smacked around by Arkansas. <laughs>
1: I mean, it, it's year one. It's going to be a process at Texas. I, I say year two, he'll be a lot better. Uh, he, he still has a season to go. But I mean, like you said a, a long time ago, this is a Texas is a cream of crop job. I mean, it's a one in a lifetime job. I, re, I remember a few years ago, they offered Saban a huge contract to try to leave Bama to come to Texas. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a this is a huge job, man. I, I wouldn't leave it at all. It's just one loss. Uh, I, I they'll be fine during the rest of the season. I'm sure they'll be a lot better next year.
0: And we got so much more to get to here on the show, but that's going to be fun to watch because USC is one of those teams where we talked about this uh, in the off season with Texas. They're one of the teams, very few teams, but they can come into your house, look at your head coach and say, hey, you're our coach now. And they can pretty much pull that off with 95% of the programs in college football. So this is going to be fun to watch with USC. A couple of quarterback injury notes to get into – uh, Boston College quarterback Phil Djurkovic, he is likely out for the season after having surgery on his right hand. We're going to dive into more on that with three and out, uh, but that significantly, I think, impacts that division's race uh, because Boston College was quietly going to have a really good season, I think, but now all of a sudden looking like they're going to be missing their starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. Over in the SEC West, though, Jimbo Fisher uh, confirming that Haynes King, their starting quarterback, is going to miss significant time with what he called a crack in his lower leg. I'm assuming that's a bone break, uh, but he's going to miss four to seven weeks, which puts you without your starting quarterback for the meat of your SEC schedule. Now it looks like Zach Calzada is going to have to be the guy, but Cam, you struggle out of the gate against a, I don't want to say abysmal opponent, but one that you were – superior to talent-wise and then you go out to Colorado and you put up 10 points and now your quarterback's out are you all of a sudden worried about Texas A&M because I'm starting to think they might not be the the second contender or third contender they might be all the way down to fifth to me in the SEC West
1: I was concerned about Texas A&M beginning of the season because it's hard to replace a guy like Kellen Mond who's been back there at the quarterback position for the last three years and now you have an unproven commodity at QB. Now he's injured. Now you're not, another unproven commodity is coming in, and they've struggled. Uh, it's going to be a long season for Jimbo. I, I don't, I don't see them getting more than eight, probably eight wins, if that. Really? So losing to Alabama for
0: sure. Who else you got them dropping?
1: Yeah, Auburn. I got I, losing to Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, Arkansas, possibly LSU. You can put all them in. I know LSU isn't that good either, but I mean A and M—they've looked terrible, to say the least.
0: Well, they got a uh, they got a top twenty matchup coming up next week when they had to take on Arkansas at Arkansas. Uh, but just a couple of quick things here for Arkansas. Number one, Cam—they were fined a hundred thousand dollars we storming the field on Saturday, which I thought was, was hilarious because watching back, Arkansas actually released a video of their athletic director speaking to a state trooper before the game, and they're like, listen, we're not stopping them. They're coming on the field, so why don't we just make this as safe as possible? Don't try to stop them. Just make sure all the exits are open so we can calmly get them out after they've had their fun on the field, but I... Not a huge fan of the fines for storming the field. I mean, we spoke yesterday on three and out about the criteria for storming the field. Like what what should your team have to accomplish and like what should the circumstances be? I think getting your first non conference top fifteen win since nineteen seventy nine, I think that's a field stormer. Against one of your biggest rivals, you gotta storm the field on that. Do I think you need to be like Clemson where you come down on the field every single game? Probably not. But I mean, finding the fighting this the athletic department for celebrating, that seems pretty lame because they're already going to have to spend some cash replacing the goalposts and all that.
1: It, it's boring. I, it brings back to the old days when people used to storm the field after big wins. It just I, – I love the fact that Arkansas not only beat them, but they destroyed Texas. They did, and that's a huge win. Huge win for that program. And now we're talking about Arkansas possibly being the second best team in the West. They you're talk, you're talking
0: about that. I ain't talking about that. <laughs>
1: They look legit, though. No, they're definitely up there, though. They're not a bad team, and I think um, next week they'll handle Texas A&M by maybe a touchdown or two. Uh, they they look pretty good, man. I can't lie, but shouts out to Arkansas. They definitely deserve to storm the field that game. They did.
0: No, that was really cool to watch. I think one of the better atmospheres I've seen in a while, just seeing them packed out. Uh, inside that stadium with the the white and red checkerboard going around in the fans, uh, I thought that was awesome. But they got an interesting schedule coming up. Uh, again, taking on Texas A&M coming up in a week. They actually start this week with Georgia Southern. Uh, Georgia Southern heading up to take on Arkansas. And based off their – talk about teams that just two completely different area codes right now in terms of their season. Georgia just got boat raced down by FAU, made Nkosi Perry look like Joe Montana, and then – didn't or scored one offensive touchdown. Now you're going up to Arkansas, a team who just knocked off number 15 Texas in formidable fashion. I, I yeah. mean, this one might get ugly for the Eagles really quick. Uh, but Arkansas takes on Georgia Southern, then they take on Texas A&M, and then they head to Athens to take on Georgia. After that, you got Ole Miss on the schedule. I mean, Arkansas is about to get into the meat of this schedule. It's, Sam Pittman kind of joked about it. He said they're the defending. Uh, college football champion for the most difficult schedule and they're probably going to three-peat next year too uh but i mean cam all of a sudden i think georgia fans because they're like all right south carolina vanderbilt arkansas all right those are three tune-up games get healthy get ready for auburn i think all of a sudden you're saying hold up maybe like the fourth best team on our schedule left is arkansas
1: and i love it i love it because that was my worry about this season after you get past clemson Will this Georgia team get relaxed and be like, oh, okay, we can kind of coast our way. We just play Florida, beat Auburn like we normally do and we're good. Nah, you got to play. It's still the SEC. And I love the fact that all Arkansas is good because that's another barometer test, even though it's at home. It's another another barometer test. You go out there and you, you beat Arkansas handily. If you're a great pro- program, you try. And then you do Auburn, Florida, and I think the rest of the season – I mean, you know, we expect Georgia to win those games. So I love the fact that Arkansas is good. It's good for the program. Um, It's going to be great for Georgia because it puts them through a couple of tests before they get, you know, to the the big dogs, Alabama.
0: I mean, Georgia's got a pretty nasty four-game stretch coming up once they get past South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Again, Arkansas comes to Athens, but then you hit the road and take on Auburn, who Auburn's – they've played some bad teams. Like, let's be very fair about that. Auburn's played some bad teams, but they've looked like a team that has an identity. And we're going to find out a lot about Auburn this week because they take on Penn state up in happy Valley mm-hmm. college game days on hand. So we're going to find out a lot about Auburn they're playing a top 10 team. Uh, and then they play Georgia state at home and then they hit the road to take on uh, an enigma in LSU. We don't, we don't know how good they are, but then they host Georgia coming off of that LSU game. I, I think Auburn's a good team. I think it's going to be a good test. So again, Arkansas at home, then you hit the road to take on Auburn. Then you have to come away from that Auburn victory and immediately turn around and play Kentucky at home, which Kentucky just proved against Mizzou. They can score points, and they can play some good defense. They've kind of changed up their offensive identity. And then after that, you hit the road, and you take on Florida. And down to Jacksonville. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's a pretty tough four-game stretch coming up for Georgia. I know a lot of fans are saying, all right, Clemson-Florida SEC Championship. All of a sudden, that four-game stretch right there, including Arkansas in there, is looking pretty nasty.
1: I I mean, I'll put it like this. You could be playing Auburn. Auburn could be undefeated when they play Georgia. That could be a top-ten matchup right there. If Auburn beats Penn State this week, I believe they'll win the rest of their games until they play Georgia. You could see Auburn-Georgia undefeated. You ready for my upset pick?
0: Huh? You ready for my upset pick? Auburn's gonna yeah, beat upset, Penn, Auburn's gonna beat Penn State. Only reason I'm saying that because PJ's not on the show right now, and so he can't be on here to yell at me. Auburn's gonna beat Penn State. I, I don't think Penn State can keep up offensively with Auburn. I mean, Tank Bigsby to me might be the best running back in college football. Uh, there's there's a couple guys that I think would give him a run for his money, but dude is a phenomenal football player. And Brees Hall has, has had a rough start to his season out at Iowa State. Tank Bigsby is awesome. Bo Nix looks comfortable. Looks comfortable mm-hmm. and. The line of scrimmage might, is my biggest question mark for Auburn right now, but they have playmakers in the linebacker core and in the secondary right now. So uh, I think I think Auburn beats Penn State on Saturday, and so I, I do think. And you, it might be depending on if you beat Penn State and you beat LSU, Auburn yeah. might be a top ten team. When you oh, go, it's no might. Yeah, yeah they
1: will. When, yeah, when yeah, you go they, when you go take them on. Team. So that's
0: a that's a pretty fun four game stretch there uh, for Georgia again, Arkansas, Auburn. Kentucky, Florida, gets a little spicy there for the dog. So really fun season shaping up here uh, in college football. Again, the Clay Helton News breaking uh, yesterday. Who's going to be the head coach at USC? We'll we'll keep you updated as we go along there. Uh, And then again, Texas A&M starting quarterback Haynes King. He will miss some time with what Jimbo Fisher called a crack in his lower leg. Going to be out probably four to seven weeks according to sources. So just uh, some news breaking there in the SEC. We'll try to keep you updated on that situation as well. we got more to come here, though. Uh, Diving into the Falcons and then again the Braves right now with a significant lead with just 20 games to go. And looking like the Braves might be headed back to the playoffs. I'll knock on wood here. You guys knock on wood wherever you are. But it looks like the Braves headed back to the playoffs. We'll dive into all of that as well coming up here on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Cam, you've had some time to process what was a rough opening week for Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. He apologized to the fans, said they weren't prepared, deserved better than what he put on the field. I mean, how much, Cam, do you think of this as just lack of starters playing in the preseason, being sloppy, or are you like me where – You're looking at the tape, and you're looking at this team, and you're like, they're just not good. They're they're just not good.
1: It's not. They're just not a good team, Christian. I've had to explain this to multiple people. Granted, it's the first game of the season. Cool. We saw the Packers get blown out, the Titans. A lot of teams didn't look good. It's the first week. All right. But if you look at this team just on both sides of the ball, we're just not good. Offensive line, putrid. Uh, The defense honestly didn't look terrible. They were just on the field the whole game. They got some – it was a few bright spots. Okay, I can work with that. But, man, it's going to be a long season. I don't know how long Matt Ryan's going to be able to withstand all those hits. He got hit every play. Like, damn near every play he got hit. And I'm just like, wow, this is a 36-year-old quarterback, and he's taking hits like this. I don't know how long he can last. It was just a bad – it was a bad showing Sunday, and it was quite embarrassing. Um, they they just weren't prepared, and now you're playing the defending Super Bowl champions and the and the favorites this Sunday. I mean, it's 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 bad, man. Uh,
0: I it's do bad. think we have like a freezing cold take of all time, and it was from Jalen Mayfield, the Falcons' left guard, third round pick, uh, prior to the draft. Somebody <laughs> somebody screen grabbed this. They said, "If you don't want your quarterback hit, take me. Simple as that." Then the very next picture is just him staring at Matt Ryan's broken body on the ground after he just got whipped again on the line, and everyone kept pointing at like Fletcher Cox and uh, at Brandon Graham and all these guys up front. It wasn't just those guys that were that were smoking him. Javon Hargrave had a career day against Jalen Mayfield, and I know Arthur Smith has to defend his guy. He has to defend the pick. And he came out and he was like, listen, we thought he had a pretty good game. He was he was uh, going up there and just stonewalling some guys uh, half the time. And, yeah, he had some rough plays. But, you know, he's a growing guy. First start at that position in his career uh, in the NFL. So it's going to be rough. And then they ask him, well, are you thinking about rotating at left guard? He's like, oh, I mean, all options are on the table. So, yeah, there's a possibility. So it's like defends him, defends him, defends him. And then he's like, I mean, there's a really good chance he's not even starting. Coming up next week. I mean, Dalman was rotating in as soon as the third series came up for the Falcons. So I mean, not to just pile this on Jalen Mayfield, but another video I saw. Someone was trying to make like a point that Javon Hargrave was one of the more underrated defensive tackles in the NFL, and so they were doing like the All Twenty Two look over his head, spotlighting him and his different mm-hmm. techniques. They're literally all against. Jalen Mayfield.
1: Jalen Mayfield. Yeah, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's he, bad. He got destroyed. I
0: mean, Cam, if you just fell down in front of him, you would have given Matt Ryan more time than Jalen Mayfield
1: did. That's. I mean, that's true, man. It, it was embarrassing, and I, I, I. The kid wasn't ready when we drafted him in the third round. He was supposed to be a project, and when I heard he was starting at left guard, I said this cannot be good. This guy was supposed to be a project. He comes in next year, and we playing Matt Matt Hennessy. I mean he 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 got destroyed on the um at the center position too. This is his first year starting replacing Alex Mack, who's a Hall of Famer at the center position. It, I mean, we have a lot to work on, man. And um if it's if it's gonna look like this, like it looked against the Eagles, I, I was booking in seven, eight wins this year. It might be three, four wins. Yeah, they man.
0: might be uh, they, they might be fighting uh, they might be fighting the Jaguars for that top overall pick just based on what we saw week one. I mean, it's bad. And to be like, oh, come on, overreaction. you Overreaction to just a tough loss week one. No, I mean, I'm just looking at the roster. I go to the defensive side. Dean Pease, I'm not putting all this on him, but Dean Pease is known for these exotic blitzes. That's fine when you got players mm-hmm. that know how to disguise them. But Jalen Hurts was able to see these blitzes coming a mile away because the guys didn't know how to disguise them, didn't know how to, to show different looks and time them up on these blitzes. I mean, he had three, four seconds to diagnose a corner blitz and just kind of slide out of the pocket and run for a first down or hit somebody running wide open. I mean, there's zero pressure on Jalen Hurts, and it doesn't get any easier this week. I mean, you're literally going down to take on the defending Super Bowl champions who didn't lose <laughs> anybody and just came off a great offensive performance. I mean, who's who's one on one with Antonio Brown? Man,
1: who's one on one with Chris I, Godwin? I don't know. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, who's, Gronk. Who's crew. guarding Gronk? Who's who's blocking Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Devin White, and Domikin Sue? Oh my goodness! And that was the and, other and thing and Arthur
0: they, Smith said about Jalen Mayfield. He's like, listen, he got a you got a, a start against a really really strong defensive front line. It's the NFL.
1: Everybody's strong. Yeah, for it's for like okay, part. so it's like okay, yes. if
0: ain't Fletcher Cox this week it's in Domikin Sue.
1: <laughs> it yes. doesn't get any better. This the Tampa defense this is the best defense in the league. I mean JPP's still down better. there doing it. Oh Lord. Oh, okay. Can we can we come to that? What does Matt Ryan's you know, life insurance mix. look like? This I, is, I hope it's because this is about to get ugly. Yeah, because this is Florida State offensive I've, line I've level back.
0: Yeah, this is Florida State offensive line level bad this. right now for the Falcons. It's it's not looking good, and I just I don't know how it gets better, Cam, because it's not like you have injured guys who you're waiting to get back. This is it.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is it. it, it, it people are blaming Arthur Smith. It's not his fault. It's it's what he inherited. So yeah, everybody's saying, you know, get rid of Arthur Smith. And I've been hearing people he can't coach. For one, it was his first game. Two, he inherited a bad team. We as fans had to understand this is a rebuilding process. We are not a playoff team anymore. It's it's those years are done. It's time to build a foundation and work on that. But the man, he, he's not gonna come in and change it game one. It's gonna take some time because this is a bad team.
0: Every time I start to feel like a glimmer of like, maybe if Matt Ryan and Calvin and Kyle Pitts start showing, I remember Cordero Patterson. Is your number two running back? and might be your number one running back.
1: <laughs> yeah, he might be your number one. That's bad. Oh my god, Cordero
0: Patterson. Yeah, it's bad. And he's and, and not. He's all not
1: due respect to him, but yeah, I mean,
0: great kick returner and hell, he, he's your leading rusher right now. He had fifty-one yards on Sunday, lining up well, an yeah, I formation. Played running, and play
1: running bad back the first
0: half. Rough for the Atlanta Falcons right now, and again defensively. Zero pass rush. I mean, Grady Jarrett was able to get a little bit of push, but for the most part, he's getting double teamed. Everyone else just got stonewalled. I guess a pretty good Philly offensive line, but still, yeah. like just absolutely zero pressure and made Jalen Hurts look really good. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be good, but y'all made him look real good. Tough start for the Falcons, uh, but Cam, I do have a question for you. Right now, he did have three interceptions, but Trevor Lawrence has three touchdowns. That's three more than Matt Ryan. Does he finish the season with more touchdown tosses than Matt Ryan?
1: No. Only reason why I say no, he just played Houston. And Houston is, I mean, they're kind of on par with Jacksonville. Houston's not good either. So, no. Trevor Lawrence is going to struggle. He's going to struggle a little bit. I saw that Sunday. He struggled on Sunday. He threw three
0: picks, but he also threw three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, but he had, what, one touchdown to two or three picks before he t- threw them other cu- couple of touchdowns. I think Matt Ryan, he- they'll score some points. I don't think game one will be what the season will be indicative of, but Matt Ryan will score some points. It's still Matty Ice and the crew. So Again, they'll it doesn't get, get any
0: easier. You head down to Tampa Bay, that's a 435 kickoff too, so you'll be one of the primetime games. In the middle of the afternoon, you can't just hide that 1 o'clock slot and get smoked. You're going to have like a quarter of the country watching you get decimated by Tom Brady. So we do have that coming up uh, this weekend to look forward to. So maybe maybe Falcons put up a little bit more fight in week two. Just Maybe this is their this was their preseason game where they had to work out the Kings because we didn't see any of our starters play in the preseason. Hey, this is the preseason game and see them work out some Kings. So I, who knows? We'll find out coming up on Sunday. we got more to come here on Second Down. We'll come back after this. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshry here. Got a big show coming up next on 3 and I will catch up with Jake Roos from DogsHQ.com. Get the latest from the injury reports there. Uh, Could we see JT Daniels coming up this week against South Carolina or is it the mailman again in Athens? We'll have to wait. And hear from Kirby Smart on that, but Cam, uh, some other injury updates. Doesn't look like Georgia will be getting Tyke Smith or Darnell Washington back for this week, but he did say that they are progressing into the next stages of their injury, which means the boots are off. They're out there running around a little bit, getting back healthy, and I think that's what's really fascinating about this season for Georgia is we know they're good. You're two and zero. You've outscored opposing offenses with your defense, just your defense, 14-3 so far this season. You've already beaten a top-three team, looking pretty good on offense, I'd say, against UAB, a defending conference champion from last year. So it's been a really good start for Georgia, and they're still missing a ton of guys you haven't had Tyke Smith yet, and he was supposed to be an All-American transfer coming in uh, and playing that same position Latavius Brinney's playing right now. Uh, you haven't had a bunch of your wide receivers. Uh, reports are Dominic Blaylock uh, could be back as early as this week, which would be really cool to see him come back. Uh, but you're also missing still Eric Gilbert, and you don't know if you're going to have him back, period. You've been missing Darnell Washington. But in his absence, you've seen some guys step up. I thought I think Brock Bowers has been awesome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching him for the next three years in Athens, Cam, because he he looks like a different kind of playmaker than we've seen Georgia have at tight end, really.
1: Yeah, Robert Griffin III said it. Um, you're gonna see this guy play on Sundays. I mean, if you look at his build and he run, I mean, he's fast. He, you seen the uh, sideline catch on the right side? He outran everybody, and that's a big dude, man. So I'm I'm excited to see what he could bring to the table. He's he's pretty good.
0: And I mean neglected to mention Karius Jackson there. I mean, he's been he's been healthy enough. It seems like to do the straight line runs there on the kickoffs, but I guess maybe just not in and out of the, the breaks quick enough on the uh the pass routes so far. So haven't seen him yet at wide receiver. Could that be something we see this week? Cuz again, you got South Carolina and they're 2 and 0. They're technically South Carolina undefeated right now. But they've played some pretty bad teams to be fair. FCS opponent, and then you go and you have to kick a game-winning field goal as time expires to beat East Carolina. So We don't really know how good the Gamecocks are. I think this one should be a... If it tells you anything, Cam, Georgia was a 24-point favorite over UAB. They're a 31-point favorite over South Carolina. And then the next week, you have Vanderbilt coming up and Vanderbilt got boat raced by ETSU and had to fight and claw to beat Colorado State, a, a really bad football team. So I, I don't think they're in a rush to get any of these injured guys back these next couple weeks.
1: No, I wouldn't be in a rush either, especially South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt in particular, I mean, that, 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 I'm not going to even speak on it. But, huh. yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be in a rush. Bring these guys back slowly, man, so everybody can be healthy when that Auburn game comes up because that's in Jordan here. Hey,
0: don't be game. skipping over Arkansas.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about Arkansas. That'll my be a bad. top 25 Razorbacks, game, y'all deserve, man. Y'all respect. Well, I, that's my bad. Razorbacks, y'all deserve y'all respect. Y'all are a good team. You're a top 25 team. We have to bring to our A game when we play y'all.
0: And again, I think maybe Vanderbilt, you start seeing some of these guys really come back because you are going to want to get just some limited time, but some live action reps before you start getting to the meat of that Arkansas and a Auburn. And then it gets it gets real, like we've mentioned from there, Kentucky and Florida coming up really fast on the schedule as well. So, again, in the meat of this Georgia schedule, got a couple more games. It's funny that you're calling conference games, tune-up games. But, I mean, I'd be careful because we all remember what happened the last time South Carolina came to Athens. So, sure, Georgia looking for revenge. We'll dive more into that as this week goes along. But, again, big show coming up on 3 and Out. If you missed any portion of our show today, you can check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or ESPNCoastal.com. 3 and Out coming up next.